You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Hey everyone, and welcome to another great show of Purpose Through Pain podcast. I have a long-term friend with me here uh, today, Christina Patterson-Wood, that we've just recently got reconnected over Facebook, and she shared a story about herself, about her past that really just reached out to me and really touched my heart. But Christina and her husband reside in Louisville, Kentucky. She is a dance instructor of a local studio and directs one of the studio outreach locations where she works one-on-one with uh, at-risk youth. She also provides admin support for a ministry that helps disciple incarcerated men as they are transitioning out of prison and back into society. She has a heart to use the arts to help at-risk youth around the world. Christina, thank you so much for coming on the show and just really about to dive into sharing your story. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. I, I appreciate how you're reaching out. Has been, it has been amazing to see the, the support and just all of the positive feedback uh, from when I, I shared my story a few days ago, just uh, only just a few days ago. Yeah, and it's uh, it's definitely it, it. As soon as I saw it, I I had to go right into reading it, and um, you know, of course, the title of your blog that you wrote um, called "Finding My Voice," and you know, it's it, I think it's very fitting that you titled that. Of course, you didn't know what I was doing on my end, but you know, the name of our podcast being called "Purpose Through Pain." You know, finding your voice is ultimately navigating through life. It's navigating through trials and tribulations and whatever that you may be going through to be able to ultimately have for you, have that that voice to be able to speak out, you know, and, you know, with Purpose Through Pain, the, the name of the podcast and even just, you know, what I'm doing is that is with, you know, the same thing as people having the trauma, having the pain, having the guilt, having the shame, having the, the rejection, the bitterness, the unforgiveness is helping people also navigate through all of that junk in their life to find mm-hmm. their purpose, you know? And, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna hijack this before we really get into things, but <laughs> you remember Pastor Randy Felshaw? Um, yeah. And he had preached a sermon about pain years ago. It's back about 2018 time frame. And our good friends, um, I think you, yeah, they graduated with me, so you may not have known them, but um, uh, graduates of BRSM, they had shared this with me. And he, Pastor Randy was talking about, you know, pain. And it says in Hebrews 4, I think it's chapter 4, verses 15, he says, For we, not, we have not a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And he went on to say, he says, we can't experience pain. He says, we, we experience it because we have to be able to touch other people. He says, you mm-hmm. can't touch what you cannot feel. And if you really mm-hmm. take the grand scheme of the hurt, the trauma, the shame, the guilt, the rejection, all the stuff that goes along with circumstances in our life, is when we sit back and say, okay, God, as much as I hate what I just went through or I'm currently going through or don't want to go through, you have a purpose in all of this. And mm-hmm. sometimes the, the bigger seat to take is, is the seat to, God, what is it that you want me to say? What is it that you want me to do? And in the midst of my wife going through cancer treatment, you know, I thought when I heard that message, and it was only about the last two minutes of the message, it was his altar call is what it was. And I thought, I'm like, man, sweetheart, that's, what you're, that's why you're going through this cancer is to be able to touch other people. But when she's laying on her deathbed that night and I go back and I happen to see this video again as I'm growing back through Facebook, it pops up in the messenger and I listen to it. I'm like, oh my God, this is for me. I'm going through all this. It wasn't my wife. Mm -hmm. It was for me, you know, and just to know and understand. And that was the piece that I received is being able to understand that my purpose was my purpose in life and not just in life itself, but what I'm going through 
is due to the pain. It's, 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 it's finding all that through the pain because I can't touch, I can't minister to people without the painful experience. I can't be able to, I don't know what it's like to go through a divorce or be sexually abused, but I, other people have. That's also why I brought yeah. you on the show is because you're going to be able to touch people that I never can. You know, so so let's let's go back a couple of years. You wrote this blog just mm-hmm. the other day, Monday this past week, and yeah. called Finding My Voice. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. I just want you to dive into it wherever you feel comfortable diving into because ultimately there's some things that you went through that lots of people go through. Females go through mm-hmm. it, you know? A females mm-hmm. in relationships, females out of relationships, you know, not knowing and understand what's right and what's wrong in relationships. But take me back to this because this is this is years before ministry, before you ever went into ministry, before you ever went into ministry school. Yeah, it, this is probably, all of this took place about 20 years ago. Um, and I, I, I it, it, it really surprised me that I went for so many years and had no recognition really of what my experience actually was and and sort of what brought this all to the surface was twofold i think the first thing was um i mean i it's probably layered you know this this me too movement that started and and i even wrote about this in in my blog that i i read and i knew the gist of what the me too movement was about but i did not identify with it initially and you know i just was not I wasn't consuming myself with it, but I knew it was out there. And I, I knew that there were some really tragic stories, but I didn't identify with it. Then I come, then you come to, I was a gymnast growing up. And so with the, the huge scandal in USA gymnastics with Larry Nasser and all yeah. the abuse that took place as the team doctor for decades, that started to come out. And I followed that a little more closely because I've been following gymnastics since I was a kid. And so that I was following a little bit more. It wasn't until I started dating my husband. We just got married a couple of months ago. So we are newlyweds. Congratulations. <laughs> so thank you. So last year when we were dating, I noticed a, just a couple of times I felt really triggered by very, like almost nothing. And, and it was surprising to me as what, why am I being triggered and going back to this relationship that I had over 20 years ago that I don't think about really on a daily basis. And a couple of these triggers started to happen. And, and I, I was already in counseling for some other things. And, uh, and so as I started to, you know, I take notice of those things. This is something that I started to learn as I was just dealing with other things in my life that I was struggling with at the time, I, I paid attention to those triggers. And then I was talking to my husband, his name's Donovan, I was talking to Donovan about these things. And as I'm starting to talk about it, and I'm hearing the words coming out of my own mouth, and, and, I, and it hits me like a ton of bricks, that I had been in this relationship. I was engaged to this man. It was nearly four years. Uh, it ended while I was in Bible college, actually. Um, and I had this realization that through the course of that relationship, that there were times when I had been sexually assaulted. And it, finally realizing that it, there's a ton of emotions that go with it. Number one, you feel a little bit stupid at first. Like, how could I have not realized this or recognized it at the time? And then it's, well, now what do I do with this? Right. that I've come to this realization. And and then there's questioning. You question yourself, like, am I just overreacting? Am I? And I started to go back to what I was doing in the course of that relationship. I was, I was minimizing what really happened because nobody ever wants to think that that's, that you're a victim of something like that. And, you know, this was a safe place. You know, this is supposed to be a safe place in the, in the context of this relationship all those years ago. He was my fiance. He said he loved me. You know, this was this is not the context where sexual assault happens. You know, I just, my grid at the time was that only happens with strangers in a violent way in that it doesn't happen in the context of a relationship. And so when I realized it, um, and it kind of, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And then I did it. I took it to my counselor. Of course, she gave me some really good um, tools to work through it and process through it. 
and then I just sort of tucked it away. Uh, and I just tucked it away. And with, with the Olympics being back and a lot of talk with the gymnastics, of course, and all of this starting, starting to come up again. And, and it's mentioned uh, throughout the broadcast about some of it, not a whole lot. It's mostly focused on, you know, the, 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 the competition itself, but it comes up. Um, that's when I started to really think about what do I do with this now? Because I, I started to feel like I needed to share it. And, and, and finding a purpose for it, you know, I think, and I like what you said in the beginning and the, and the name of your podcast, it's, it's the painful things that we experience have a purpose. And so changing the question from what was the purpose of that happening to me to how do I find purpose through it changes the perspective a lot. But with that, it's still scary to share. It's still a scary thing to share because, you know, you just don't know that the internet can be really mean and everyone's got an opinion and everyone has something to say about everybody's experience and they're just sitting behind a keyboard and, you know, saying all sorts of things. And um, it was scary. It was scary to try to share, not knowing if, you know, someone was going to, minimize my experience, you know, in a sense, try to take my voice away from me again, as I'm just starting to voice, to, to have a voice, feel like I have a voice in it. So that's sort of how it came about. Um, and, and why I decided to share it. I just felt like it was time to use my voice and, uh, and hopefully it will help other people along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So this goes back to you were roughly 17 years of age, correct? Mm-hmm. So at, at yeah. you were sharing, you know, about not knowing, you know, without going into a lot of detail, what what was going on in the relationship now with your husband that was triggering, you know, or that, it, that you came to that realization like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. these are the things that happened, even though at that time, I didn't know that's what it was. What, what was, what was coming to you? One particular one particular time that I that I remember is we had um, my, we had taken my dog my mom's dog to the park, and this is a park that I had not I I don't go to a lot but just a local park, and we had walked to to a back part of this park and we and there was we found a dog run and all of that, but I had remembered this part this there was a particular incident that happened with my with my ex fiance in the woods at this park. And I, because I didn't really go to it, and I probably had not been to that part of this park in, I mean, many years. All of a sudden, I'm walking, and we're just having fun with the dogs. You know, we're not, we're not talking about anything serious. We're enjoying each other's company. We're still getting to know each other. And all of a sudden, I'm having this, this memory recall of this incident that happened. And I was getting a little bit anxious. I was feeling a little bit anxious and I'm feeling like I need to share it. And this was still pretty early on, but you know, bless my husband because, you know, I, I just, I told him, I said, I I feel like I need to tell you this. And maybe because part of me was still a little bit like, I'll see if I can, if, if he's going to be scared off, if I scare him away or if he's going to hang in with me. Um, And so I, I told him what happened, and I think me talking about that led to other memories that followed after that particular incident, and that's when I started to realize, no, this was more than just simply like taking advantage of somebody. I, I was, he wasn't, my ex was not just taking advantage of me. There was, this was actual like sexual assault that was taking place, and that was, it, you know, it was not, it, it was like a, a, like it, it took place over the course of time. It wasn't just like one particular moment, but I think that that one was one that was pretty crucial in it. As I was describing this to him and I'm hearing myself talk about it and it's the first time I've ever talked about it out loud to anyone. Uh, I think that's when the realization started to happen. And then, you know, just the more, because I'm thinking about it and I've talked about it now, it's out in the open, it's in the light. You know, now there's no hiding from it anymore. And so now I'm having to walk through the, the whole of it 
and think it all through. And that's, you know, that's when uh, I think that's when I really started to, to discover it, you know, just being, being with, with my husband and while we were dating and him treating me so well. And that was the first time that had ever happened was oddly enough, a trigger for me, Mm. you know, for, for me to start realizing how poorly I had been treated in the past. What was your husband's response? His response was he's, his demeanor is always very calming and he's very just, he's just steady. And so nothing, he, he does not get overly emotional about things. And he said, he basically just told me, he said, I am so sorry that that ever happened to you. You know, I think he, he just, and he wanted me to know that, you know, he was not, he was never going to treat me that way. Yeah. You know, he, he told me at one point, you know, that he knew that I had, I handed my heart to him and I was trusting my heart with him. And he took that very serious and he wanted me to know that. And so he, he just loved me through it really is what he did. He was just there and he continued to always make me feel safe. Yeah. And, Mm. you know, and that was a huge, huge thing was just to feel safe. And so his his response was just very gentle. And like, I I don't think in the moment he really knew what to do with that. (laughs) I had just told him this really, you know, horrible experience, but he just, he, he said, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. He was just there. And and that was the best that he could have done at the time. And that's what I needed. I just needed him to be there. There I didn't need him to fix it. I needed him to just be there. Which most guys want to do. (laughs) Yeah. You know? I, I know by nature, just by growing up in the abuse and the rejection, I'm a fixer, you know, and it's crazy that you bring up triggers because when I started to date last year, um, I didn't really even know what triggers were. And then all of a sudden somebody says, you triggered me. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, the only trigger I know is to a, a firearm, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, and, and it keeps on. But it, it, it was it was different because I at the time was dealing with a lot of stuff internally so I felt like it was always my fault so I couldn't mm-hmm. be the safety net I could I had to learn how to be the safety net I had to learn how to make her feel safe you know so you know a lot of people can sit there and, and say how could you not know you know but what was it I mean I know you had the circumstance there but while you're in it, okay, was it so subtle that it just felt normal and that's what you, you thought was supposed to happen or you just kind of like, ah, uh, kind of dismissed it because you didn't think it would go worse or it would get worse? Is that, is that when the, the mindset, not that you purposely did it because nobody does, but is that what mm-hmm. you go back thinking, well, it just kind of gradually happened, so I thought that's what was supposed to happen. Yeah, I think I think that it's probably a combination. I think that is definitely part of it. I think I I'm the type of person that I invest emotionally very quickly. I am, and too. <laughs> so I I think that I probably and I, and you know I was really young. I was really young, and I was totally naive and really really just inexperienced and green. And he was not. <laughs> Right. Uh, so he came in with, with a whole, I think, different mindset, potentially, you know, I can't, I, I can't say for sure, but, but I think it was, it was a subtle, like it, it was, it escalated quickly, but also it was subtle at the same time in that, you know, he didn't start off pushing the boundaries, you know, pushing that boundary line that we, we had talked about before what boundaries I, you know, we were setting in terms of our relationship, especially physically. And so it was like slowly, but not really slowly, but slowly he would push that line a little bit. And, and at first it was, it's like, did did that, did he really, did he do that? You know, or was I just, because we talked about this and, but, but I love him and he loves me. So, you know, and so then it just sort of picks up where you leave off. And that's just kind of what happened until it, it finally got to a place where he pushed a boundary that I was very uncomfortable with. I was very uncomfortable with it. And, and I did not in the moment, because I feel like in those moments you feel 
that's where you feel like you lose your voice. Mm. You, you, you just feel choked. I, yeah. I think at the time I felt really choked in terms of, I can't verbally say no, but I was very obviously resisting physically. Yeah. And he just would consistently push and consistently push until it, it, it like wore me down and I was just tired. And so things would happen. And after this one particular incident and I just, I curled up like in a fetal position and I was just visibly shaken. I, I don't remember. I may have been crying, but I don't remember, but I was very, very obviously disturbed. And he had, he had said to me, you you're acting as if I raped you and he didn't say it in like a it wasn't like in a caring the, way and concerned it, it wasn't well it wasn't and it wasn't necessarily like in a dismissive way but it was almost the subtext to me felt like you're overreacting like yeah. I'm sorry that that you're that you're feeling like this like I could sense that there was some a little bit of regret but also a little bit of I feel like you're overreacting. Yeah. This is normal. And, you know, but again, it's like, but I love him. And he's, you know, I, I don't think we were engaged at that time, particularly, but I, but I was so invested emotionally at this point, And he said he loved me. And so well, I'll just work past it. And, and that's when I think subconsciously you start to, you start to, dismiss what happened and you justify it in whatever way you have to, to, to deal with it. And then it just, but it continued, you know, not every time, you know, it was a very toxic relationship, but not every time things were physical. I will not say that this happened every single time. There were times when it, when it was consensual, but I think when that, that muddies the water even more and it causes you to, to feel like, well, it's just, it's, it's that's not what that is yeah. you know yeah. you 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 tend to dismiss it and justify it and now when I look back with a little bit of life behind me and maturity I can look at it for what it really was right yeah. and but yeah at the time there was just no how did I not recognize it because it was subtle in that way and right. because when you're in a when you feel like you're in you're supposed to be in a safe place and and with someone who's safe you know, I think what what helped me to sort of put the pieces together as well is when I was listening to some of these gymnasts talk about their experience with Larry Nasser is mm-hmm. they're going into his into into this room with him and he's a doctor. Yeah. Right. This is a place where it is supposed to be safe. Yeah. It is supposed to be trusted. He's a doctor. And right. I heard prominent voices in the sport saying, I wasn't even sure what was really happening to me. Yeah. And, and to hear someone else say that helped me to, to think, well, now I don't feel so stupid, number one, because you, you are in a place where you're just totally thrown off because sexual assault only happens in, in this violent way, right? not in this safe way. And I was in this relationship with this man who said he loved me. So yeah. that's not where that happened. Yeah. And I'm just overreacting. And so it, it it's it's an interesting um, it's interesting to look back on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier about you know y'all broke up um, while in Bible school. So back in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Okay, what was going on in you mm-hmm. then, knowing that you recognized there were some things that boundaries that were crossed, but yet not pairing the two about it being sexual abuse, mm-hmm. but yet enough to be like, hey you've crossed enough boundaries. We're not in a relationship anymore. Did you not go through healing at all? Or did you go more of, um, I feel like I'm healed because I'm not, I'm not in that situation anymore. And it's okay to not purposely. Cause I, I don't think a lot of us purposely suppress emotions. I think we just learn mm-hmm. how to move on and they never get addressed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, we broke up when I was in Bible college. Um, he had, he had moved back to Florida where he was living before we met and he ended up cheating on me. And that's sort of what really caused things to fall apart. And I, you know, it devastated me at the time because I had spent, this was a nearly four year relationship. And so 
I, I had felt like at the time, I didn't know who I was. I suddenly realized that I had put all my identity in being his girlfriend or fiance, and I did not know who I was anymore yeah. apart from him. And, you know, thankfully, being at BRSM and being at Brownsville, it's just a very intense spiritual atmosphere. And so I think I did go through some healing because I remember thinking to myself about two weeks after we broke up, I felt mostly okay. And, and that was really unusual because I, I expected to have to deal with this for a long time. But I think for me, it was more of just trying to think about where I was currently at in my life and where I was going and the things that I wanted to pursue and just being in this, this really intense spiritual atmosphere, I think helped. Did I bury some, some things? Sure. I, obviously I buried some things and it wasn't a conscious thing, but I, and, and, you know, sometimes I think that maybe it was just the Lord that he didn't allow those things to surface. Like the, the timing, I think of when it happened for me and when I realized it was probably maybe the best it could have been because I, I had distance away from it in terms of years. I, I was, I had a really good counselor at the time. So I had a safe place to take that to, to really process through it. And I had this amazing man in my life who was, who was treating me so kind and the way I deserve to be treated. And I think all of those things really helped when it surfaced to process it and heal from it. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times when we get hurt in a relationship, we go to the point of, I don't want to be in a relationship because of I can yeah. get hurt again. Right. But I was mm -hmm. amazingly, I was reading today, actually someone sent me a, um, a video of a lady that uh, does a lot of teaching on trauma and shame and guilt and things like that on Instagram. And she talked about where when we get hurt in a relationship, the best place, and I'm paraphrasing this, but the best place mm -hmm. to get healing and receive healing from is in a relationship, is in the context of a relationship, you know, Be because mm -hmm. it's, if you think about your situation you had fiance number one or boyfriend and fiance number one do the hurt, okay? And though that it's not that you couldn't receive healing on your own or you couldn't do it on your own, but it really didn't surface again mm -hmm. until when you're back in a relationship. Yeah. You know, and the very thing that kept you in the current relationship is the fact that that individual being your husband now made you feel safe. Mm -hmm. And that's where the healing yeah. came from. And, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I dealt with rejection so much when I was a younger kid from my father. And so when, um, when I was with Tommy, I looked at him as a spiritual father, but it wasn't there. It, there, there just wasn't something there. But I did, I did get it, uh, you know, from, from Pastor mm -hmm. Remedios, you know, um, Pastor David. And he was a spiritual mm -hmm. father to me. There was a lot of healing, but... And I, I received healing from that in terms of rejection, but really the majority of my rejection healing came when I started a relationship and I started to recognize and understand that even though this person was doing things that made me feel rejected, it wasn't her fault, it's mm -hmm. what I was feeling on the internal side, I had to know and understand that you know when it came to my healing is my biggest thing had nothing to do with anybody else, but had everything to do with me. You know, mm -hmm. and I had to, number one, was forgive myself, you know, and then I asked God for forgiveness for thinking that way, thinking that I was alone, thinking that I was abandoned, you know, where his word says, I'll never leave you nor mm -hmm. forsake you, you know, so that, that washes the yeah. fact of ever feeling abandoned because God says, I'll never abandon you. I'll never leave you. You know, um, mm -hmm. I died for you. I love you. I died for you. So that takes away the rejection. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. I had to get through that, but I didn't quite understand it until I was actually in a relationship, you know, that was rejection was circling around, not because of the individual, but because everything that I associated with rejection, you know, if you mm -hmm. said you were going to call me or if the girlfriend said she was going to call me in 30 minutes and it's an Hey, at 31 minutes, I'm starting to feel it. 32 minutes, man, it's it's starting to get. I'm, yeah. 45 minutes, I'm boiling. I, I'm like, 
My patience mm-hmm. is on the edge at an hour. I'm like, I'm picking up the phone. I'm like, well, I th- you said you were going to call me in 30 minutes. Well, oh my God. I'm like, you know, I, I ran past my call or I yeah. got out of work later, all these different things. And I'm not thinking of those yeah. things. I'm thinking of how I'm feeling at that moment, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah. but it took me being in a relationship to realize and understand. And when I heard this today, I'm like, oh my God, now I'm figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, I, and it was very, and it was true for me. And there, there have been, there was one particular moment where I dive and witnessed an anxiety attack. I had told him I have it. I have like some, I have some anxiety in this area and, um, and it could even be mild PTSD. I don't know because I, I like the anxiety is real. And he experienced it. We were driving back from Ohio where he's from after a visit to his hometown and, and he experienced it. And I told him I, I, after, I, you know, things were kind of over and I had settled down. I told him, I said, I just keep feeling like, because this, this is true. You know, there was this rejection and this expectation because, you know, my ex was not the only man to do, to treat me in a way that made me feel like garbage, like I was worth nothing. I was worthless. Like the only thing I'm good for is to get what you want and then throw me in a ditch, like a piece of trash. And so I kept, not that I expected him to do, not that I expected Donovan to do this, like on a, on, on a subconscious level, it was almost like I tried to prepare myself that this could happen. Yeah. Not because of anything he did, but because of my own, past experiences. And I I just told him, I said, I just keep waiting for like, for my, for my crazy, like, I'm going to do one more crazy thing and you're going to walk away. And he, and he said the most profound thing to me that I had to have been the Holy spirit. And it is so much the way, you know, I, I don't always relate to God and I need to. And he just looked at me and he said, but you're, you're saying that like I'm keeping score. Hmm. Like, I'm not keeping score. I'm not keeping account of this. Like, I, if I love you, I love you. And I, and I, and it was like, it, I was speechless. Like, oh, like, and that's the same way that I think I have been relating to the Lord, even is that like he's keeping score of all the times I mess up. Yeah. That's he's crazy. not keeping score. Like, yeah, he's not, wow. he's not writing it all of it down and just waiting until I get to this number of things that I've done and then I shoving me away and, and rejecting me in that way. And, and there's a lot of, you know, some rejection issues for different reasons, obviously, but, um, but yeah. And, and the hard part about the hard part about finding healing in a relationship is trying to get, is trying to get into a relationship and trusting it. Right. And that was, that was a really tough thing. I mean, my personality, I sort of lend itself to just, I will just dive in. I'll go for it, even if I'm afraid. Uh, but, but, you know, but I don't, but I didn't want to be that way. I don't want to approach every relationship with fear. And yeah. so, you know, but I noticed, of course, just along the way, how that fear is still there and it shows up in the weirdest ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know so. the thing is, it's like when we—I I have a thing called—I don't—I don't, I don't think I—I I coined the phrase, but I've heard it or I've said it enough where I, I kind of claim it. Is we have to feed our faith and starve our fear, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's things come into our mind that we can't control, right? Our left brain, okay? You know, or even things that we imagine are on, on our right brain. You know, but and when, when we sit there and we think like, okay relationship number one did this, relationship number two, or even this person in my life did this. Well, if they did that and I pair a scenario or I pair a circumstance mm-hmm. or that, then it must gonna happen again, right? Because every guy's this or every girl's mm-hmm. this. And if it happens with two or three, it's gonna happen with number four, five or six, you know? And ultimately mm-hmm. what we're doing in the midst of that is we're cursing our relationship, you know? Because even though, yes, I get it. There might be a reality to that person may do that, right? But what's their heart intent? We've all crossed boundaries in some sort of way in in time in a relationship. Mm -hmm. We've crossed boundaries with our parents by lying to them. We've crossed boundaries with friends by lying to them or saying we were going to do something or, you know, know, different things. We've all crossed the boundary, but just because we do, and I'm not saying it's right, 
it doesn't make us the other person. It doesn't make us that we're going to cross all boundaries or that we're going to live exactly like your, the last relationship. And right. going in with that mindset versus, okay, all right, I know these things can happen. Yeah, they probably could, okay? But I'm not going to live in fear of waiting mm -hmm. for it to happen because the thing about preparation and waiting for it to happen, what do we naturally do in preparation and waiting for something to happen in a relationship? We build something, we build a wall, you know? Yeah, we build a wall absolutely. to keep, you know, a wall is definitely there to protect, but it also keeps out, you know? Mm -hmm. And the thing about a wall is when we build it emotionally, it'll keep out whoever that we want it to, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, and that's the struggle from the person being, you know, in your case, building the walls and not the trust, but then also mm -hmm. on, for your instance, Donovan side of, well, why are you building a wall against me? I'm, I'm not doing yeah. those things. That's not me. Yeah. You know, I understand. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, for me, it's taken me a, a, a good amount of understanding to come to that point of the wall wasn't built for me. You know, mm -hmm. and because we all do it, we all, and, and I'm like you, I'm like, hey, here's my heart on a platter, do what you want to with it. And I'll just pick up the pieces yeah. and go into my prayer closet and ask God to heal me afterwards, you know, yeah. and I'll do that time and time and time and time again. Right. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's also, you, you know, that also kind of gives me the mentality of, well, let me fix it. Oh, you, you're, you mm -hmm. know, you, you got a crushed heart. Well, let me, let me help. You know, I know mm -hmm. how to fix mine, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, um, so what was it for you that got you to the point of being able to trust your fiance now husband to get to that point of, I am now getting past this because I mean, y'all just got married, but you just wrote this blog. So you really just came forward with this aspect. And this is another, this is a true definition of vulnerability because vulnerability is not exposing things that's okay to talk about. It's exposing yeah. things that you're not okay to talk about, that you're uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. So you just went into a new level of healing because I am a yeah. firm believer that vulnerability releases healing and brings forth I, healing. I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, for me, I think really what happened is that um, I, I think it was it was it was layered. I think my my counselor being with a good counselor at the time, I think was really crucial for me that there was a lot of groundwork that I had laid prior to meeting him that helped that yeah. I don't know that I, I recognized um at the time, but there was a lot of groundwork that I think the Lord really used this. I had, a, I had an amazing um, Christian counselor. And so a lot of what we, we talked about were issues that I was struggling with and how I was relating to God and, and my faith and those kinds of things. But I think really another thing that just really helped is the fact that he, if I, if I was starting to build a wall, and I, by, you know, me telling him for the example, I just said, you know, I'm waiting for you to just, for me to do one more crazy thing for you to walk away, or you just decide you, you can't handle this or you don't want to deal with this. And, and his, it's always been his response that as soon as I start laying the bricks, his response takes those bricks right back, mm, yeah. back away. You know, he, he just able to really respond in that way. And I, and I, it was just, you know, I think only the Lord could have, you know, put us together in that sense that no he knew what both of us needed. And, uh, and then, and then I think just over the last, you know, probably few years of, you know, and the reason I started counseling was I went through a really, really tough season of burnout and just a lot of the fallout from that. And I was learning how to be, I, I finally, this was another, I think this was a really big thing. I stopped faking how I was feeling wow. and what I was experiencing. Wow. I stopped pretending when you stop pretending and you're just real about it, then you can finally start to deal with it. And so I had finally gotten to the place where I was brutally honest 
I was brutally honest with the people around me. I was brutally honest with myself. I was brutally honest when I was praying. And this, what I learned in, the, in that particular season that I think really helped me as I, as I started to date my husband and, and just since we've gotten married is that, you know, God can handle me beating on his chest. He can handle my questions. He can handle my frustrations. He can handle all of it. And he's not afraid of it. And he didn't walk away from me in those times. Wow. And when I think about the, the, you know, it was a really, it was really dark. It was a really dark period. And this was before I met my husband. Um, and so I think that laid the groundwork, you know, just being honest. And, and I had posted this, I, this actually just came up on uh, my memories, but I had posted this three years ago when I was really, really struggling. And I found it to be at the time, very life-giving and like I identified with it for the first time in my life, but I had read this quote and, and, um, and I want to read it. I think it just applies so well is when life is tough, they tell you to be strong. Don't be strong, be weak, unclench your fists, dare to be vulnerable. Honest weakness takes courage. It affirms our common humanity, deepens friendship and elicits grace. And I found that to be so true. Oh. And I think that that is part of, too, why, you know, when I got into this relationship with my husband at the time is that we were very honest with each other. And because we knew and we started from the from the very beginning, we were we were very open and honest and communicated really thoroughly with each other that anything that we went through that was any kind of struggle was just something we talked about. And it was a safe place to talk about. It's he's still a safe place, you know. I don't have to worry about explaining to him how I feel about something and then his reaction going sideways. Yeah. Because it's never been what you know. It he's it, it's been consistent, um, and so I think that that's what has helped me to get the healing and to and for and for my you know, my, my insecurities and those things that I was struggling with, not to sabotage this relationship. Yeah. You know, it's a combination of, I think all of that, you know, just the Lord working in the midst of it, bringing that healing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to the, to the listeners that are out there um, that have may, may have found themselves in, you know, realizing they've been in a abusive relationship, you know, or are currently in one, what would be something that you would encourage them with? right now? I think, first of all, it's very important to know that this is not what you deserve. Mm. It's not what you deserve. You deserve to be loved. You deserve to be loved well. You deserve to be loved in in the way that, that God loves you. (laughs) And, and I think I, I also, I think my biggest encouragement is to really look at the situation and be honest about it. You've got to be honest with that. That's where you have to start. You have to be honest about it and be honest with what's really going on and get out of it because you don't deserve that. Mm. And, you know, that is the biggest thing is being aware and, and refusing to tolerate being treated less than what you deserve. Yeah. And, and, and finding that worth, you know, ultimately it's through the Lord, you know, he gives us that worth and, and he values us so much that you don't deserve to be treated, but in any less of a way than the right. way the Lord treats us. And yeah. so uh, I think those are the biggest things. And then, and then I also, you know, one of the, one of the bigger reasons that I wanted to come forward to, and, and this is what I want to to, to make sure that other people know, other women know you're not alone. <laughs> That's huge. It is. You know, I think Absolutely. one of the, one of the, one of the reasons that I, you know, I wanted to find my voice in this is because the, when we experience trauma, it is so tempting and it is so easy to isolate yeah. and to feel like I'm the only one and nobody else knows how I feel. Yeah. No one gets this. And when you know 
that you're not alone, something powerful happens. You know, the, the saying like it takes a village is usually equated to raising kids. And I think that's applicable, but also God designed us to be in community. Yeah. And there is something so powerful about community. We are not meant to be alone and, you know, hanging out without anyone else around us. He meant for us and he made us and built us to be in community. And so just know that you're not alone as much as you want to feel like you might be alone. Yeah. And I think for me, it was amazing. You know, the private messages that I got of people yeah, saying absolutely. that that happened to me. Yeah. And, and these are people I've known that I never knew this about, yeah. you know, and here I am thinking I'm probably the only one yeah. in my friend circle that this has happened to. And it's many, many people. Yeah. So it is, it's so important to know that you're not alone. You know, the, the thing about that is I just did an interview with a young lady out of Atlanta and she went through some domestic abuse and some domestic violence, you know, and this, this falls right into it, you know, the sexual abuse mm -hmm. and things like that is one in every four women experience this in their lifetime. One in every four. That's incredible. That, that's that's so mind-boggling. That's just that. So I want the, the listeners to really understand that. And this goes both ways. This isn't just for females. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, males get sexually abused too. One in every four women. So I can't imagine what it is for men. Okay. But that is a lot of people going through the same exact stuff. Now, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. You don't ever have to compare pain. And this is what, uh, listeners, I want you to understand this. You never have to compare pain to apples and apples. It's, mm -hmm. it's not, okay? Is Yes, my pain of going through the death of my wife and dad all in the same month may be totally different than somebody else's pain that they experienced going through the death of a spouse, okay? Or a abusive relationship. And that's completely okay. But what you're mm -hmm. not you're not alone in experiencing what you experienced. Pain will always be different based off of the individual, okay? For me, I don't make emotional yeah. attachments to certain things in life, okay? Um, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't sting or doesn't hurt. There are other things like me being, okay, here's my heart, do what you want to with it. When it comes to a father figure, when it comes to a relationship with a, you know, a female um, to be a spouse, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's really, you know, and then of course my kids itself, that's something that will really touch home, you know, but it's mm -hmm. way I perceive the pain is what I perceive it as, you know, on a, let's just say the whole pain scale of one to 10, right. <laughs> you know, um, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the fact that multiple people, one in every four women, since we're talking about women, will go through this, will go through. So you're not alone and mm -hmm. vulnerability. I, I know it's so hard to talk about things, you know, especially on different aspects that you can feel, well, why didn't you know? Because that's number, the one, number one question that, that, that gets hit with everybody. Cause I've talked to people that are in abusive, physically abusive relationships, women. I'm like, mm -hmm. at what point, how could you not leave? Why didn't you leave? And the number one answer I hear is, I didn't know that this, that, 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 that I thought this is what relationships were. Mm -hmm. And you feel trapped. Yeah. You know, I felt, I felt so trapped in that relationship because I thought, well, all this has happened. I have to marry this man now. I, right. I felt really trapped. Right. And, and it, it's amazing that you, that I can look back and I feel I can, I can see that so clearly that I was trying to make something work because I kept trying to say, well, I, you know, I, the, you know, God spoke to me and Laura and this is whatever. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. I was trapped and I felt really trapped. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and going back to, to what you were sharing about, um, uh, you know, pain and, and people's different pain. I think, I think also like there's, there's not a competition mm -mm. and whose trauma was worse. Right. You know, and I think sometimes we don't want to talk, you know, and I, I felt a little bit of that before I shared my story. It was like, well, I mean, mine's not so bad. There's yeah. people that have gone through way. I work with kids that have been through way worse. Right. But 
but it's not a competition. Trauma is trauma. And if something traumatized you, it traumatized you. And there's pain there. Now, can somebody's pain be greater potentially? But that's just not, you know, that's not a competition that we need to be, that anyone needs to have. Pain ultimately does damage, more damage to certain people based on how, Mm -hmm. because listen, I mean, a woman has a baby, which is a joyful thing. To me, it's a joyful thing, you know, not necessarily her going through it, but yet (laughs) you have, there's a thing called postpartum. You know, yeah. the depression, the, 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 the fact of now I'm no longer carrying this. What does my body look like? All this different stuff. And it is taking mm-hmm. people years to get over postpartum. My wife yeah. suffered with it. You know, um, she suffered with different bouts of depression from her physical looks to, you know, the up and down, you know, you lose weight, you get pregnant, you gain it all back. You lose it, you get pregnant again, you gain it all back. I'm like, you know. Is it my fault for wanting kids? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, so, but it, pain can definitely take us down roads that keep us longer in, in, in certain places, you know, but this is what I say about pain. And I, and I do coin this from Pastor Randy Felshaw is let pain be life's inspiration. Mm-hmm. Let your pain that you've gone through. Listen, I promise you this. I'll promise you this about pain. Okay. And I'm stepping out on a limb. Nobody has not gone through what you've gone through. There's 7 billion people in the world. Everybody has to experience abandonment as a child. Like, well, my parents never left me. Here's abandonment right here. Here's a clear picture of abandonment as a child. You bend down as a child. You're in the grocery store with your mom. You're in Walmart. And you bend down to tie your shoes. And you look up and she's gone. That's abandonment right there. The spirit of abandonment hits us. Now, it doesn't become a pattern. If it happens a couple times it'll, uh, under the age of seven, it will then, if it occurs from seven to 12, it will then become a pattern that sticks with us. So yeah. we can't sit there and say, well, I've never been abandoned. I lived with my parents my whole entire life. Well, my parents were, were alive until my, and my, my mom passed away when I was 27. So my parents lived together, but yet I, I remember... I remember the time of, I went to football practice, okay? I was a freshman in high school, went to football practice. Mom and dad worked crazy hours, okay? Football mm-hmm. practice ended at six o'clock, okay? I didn't get picked up until 9.30 that night. Wow. I sat, I, I fell asleep on the curb, the sidewalk of the school where they pick up students and I had been there for so long, I had cars stop and wake me up to say, make sure I was okay. Wow. But yet I felt abandoned. I'm like, mom and dad left me. I, 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 nobody came to pick me up. They forgot about me, especially when I woke up and it was dark outside, <laughs> you, you know? So pain happens to everybody across the world. You know, when we hear the words, no, we may not recognize it at that time, but when a parent says, I wish you never got pregnant or I wish you never had the baby. That's rejection. So no one understand that everybody has gone through some sort of rejection, pain, trauma, shame. It's just, we all go through it at different degrees, but we're not alone. And that's the biggest, I think that's one of the biggest things that anybody can take away from, uh, from this story about with you, Christina is, that you're not alone in this, you know, and the fact that yeah. you allow this to happen is going to open up so many doors for you to be able to minister to people because you're going to realize like, oh my God, I wish I would have spoke about this years ago. You know, yeah. I know for me, and yeah. I, I'm a little bit more outspoken. Lisette used to say, he's like, you never shut up. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to get paid to talk one day. You know, <laughs> I always said that was always my response. I'm like, I know I don't ever be quiet. That, that's, that's what God put in me, you know? So the moment that she came down with cancer, you know, the moment she came down with cancer, I knew right then in my spirit, I was to speak about it. I haven't shut up since, you know, <laughs> you know, but share yeah. your story, share it, you know, to the listeners that are out there. Don't be afraid because I will tell you this, mm-hmm. even if you're scared to say this, I'll give you a tip about public speaking. Okay. Listeners, if you are afraid to share your story because you're afraid of what somebody else may think. Tell your story to yourself in a video or in the mirror and then listen to it. 
And when mm-hmm. you do it, when you speak it for the first time, you don't even have to go back and watch the video. But when you speak it to your first time, there's just going to be something that lifts off of you and be like, that wasn't as hard as I thought. Mm-hmm. And even if it was hard, okay, tell your story again. And tell your story again. I remember when I first started preaching years ago, <laughs> way before Bible college, <laughs> uh, I would set up stuffed animals. <laughs> that was my crowd of people. You know, we weren't even, the phones weren't, you know, around then to start recording. I, I would, I would set up or I would, I'd go outside and start preaching to the dogs, you know? And if I didn't have a tree, I, I didn't have an audience, yeah. you know? Um, I'd preach at a tree. I kid you not. I, I, w- I would do it to a tree or stand in front of the mirror. But that what's got me, and I'm not perfect at public speaking, but that is what got me over the fear of being in front of people, of talking and sharing my story, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so before we wrap up here, you work with at-risk youth, okay? Mm-hmm. How has what you've gone through and it now really coming out, how has that been able to help these young kids that... I assume they're troubled teens that possibly in and out of jail, in and out of um, foster homes. Um, most of these kids that I work with, they're on the younger side. Uh, as far as I know, I don't think any of them have been uh, in jail. Okay. Thankfully, we try to pre- we're trying to prevent that. Yeah. Uh, but they have all gone through some some type of trauma in their childhood. The the particular area where I'm working, there's a lot of drugs and alcohol. So parents have been in and out of jail. Uh, Some of them are being raised by grandparents. Um, Some are foster kids. I think only maybe a couple. I've had a couple of foster kids. Um, You know, they're on the younger side, so I have to be careful. Uh, They inspired me to go back to school. I'm actually back in college getting a degree in social work because I, I find that I'm these kids are dealing with things that I felt very unequipped to really effectively handle. And so I decided to go back to school. Um, but I think what, it, what will happen is that, you know, because trauma, especially when you're young, you don't have a voice. You don't know how to voice it. It's yeah. not that you don't have one. You just don't know how to use it or you don't know how to use it appropriately. And so for me, you know, the biggest thing is that I'm there and I'm consistent. And, and when, if they open up to me and I, and, and I, they, some of them have been slowly starting to make comments to allude to things that have happened. Now there's a place, depending on what the trauma was, where I can identify and I can say, this is, I understand because it happened to me, but also this is the other side of it, yeah. you know, to, to, to let people know that this is the other side, yeah. that life gets better, that li- there's hope that you don't have to drown in this trauma, I think is big. And then also giving them, because it's in, it's in the form of dance, giving them a way to express their feelings That's and awesome. learn their identity in a way that if they don't know how to verbally share it, there's still an outlet for them to express it. And then allow, you have to just allow as kids because, you know, their, their brains are not fully developed. So, you know, you have all kinds of behavior issues, you know, even allowing it to be a safe place to come in. And if they are going to act crazy, I'm not going to freak out because they're acting crazy, you know, we'll deal with it, but we're aware that the reason behind the acting out is, is underlying trauma. And so, you know, it's, it's a slow process um, because these kids have to learn to trust. And that's a really hard thing when they're young, when they're that young and they've experienced really unspeakable things. Uh, But, uh, but just being there and being consistent and being that safe place for them, I think is, is the best that we we can do and then and then providing them with an outlet to uh to express themselves instead of keeping all of those emotions and all those feelings on the inside yeah that's amazing and then of course also besides that you're also connected with a ministry that's helping Mm -hmm. rehabilitate incarcerated men uh in the process of getting back out now i've got a little special connection with that because 
before I started Bible college, uh, and even while in Bible college my first year, I actually worked at a state prison. And so I know okay. to a degree, you know, I know one side of the bars, you know, um, I got to go home every eight yeah. hours, you know, but so share with me about what y'all are doing in the ministry with that and how that's been able to, again, your story has been able to help you in working with these men. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting place to find myself um, for a number of different reasons. For my husband's a public defender for the county here, oh so <laughs> uh, and he works with juveniles. So that was an interesting, like the connection was really interesting. Uh, and then me studying social work, you know, it's still very new. Um, I've only been doing this for about uh, maybe a month and a half now. Okay. Uh, you know, but but the fact that I can go into I can go into the facility and I've been in a, a, a couple of times now to, to do some photography work and, um, and just see what they do. So it's, it's Tony and Kim cash ministries. Uh, and they also are starting freedom Lake ministries, which is going to be a transitional home for these men once they get out. Um, but they do a lot of just heavy discipleship and their, their testimonies are amazing. Uh, and how, uh, they got into this ministry and, and Tony, who is the husband out of that team, uh, was incarcerated for in and out of prison for nearly 40 years of his life. Wow. Uh, and so he's definitely in a place where he can minister to these men. Uh, and then, you know, Kim has got her own, uh, her own set of testimonies. But the fact that I can go into a place like that and I can look at these men uh, and see them the way God sees them and not look at them for their offenses. I think to me has really, it, it's, it's just, it makes me happy to know that there's that much healing that I can go in there and, and, and with some apprehension a little bit, but not because of the men themselves, but just still my own process of healing. But for the most part, I can go in there and I can look at these men for who God made them to be. Right. And not define them by Their whatever put them in there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and you know and I think that's that's one of the biggest things, at least for me, in terms of my story. You know, I think that's still developing. I think what we hope will happen in the future uh, is that when it's appropriate, and some of these men are going back home to wives or relationships that they've been in or kids, that Donovan and I have a place to speak into that. Yeah. You know, with my experience and how, and, and then how he's able to relate to me and treat me and, That's you know, key. how I treat him as my husband. And I think those are, you know, those are things that we're hoping will, will happen at, uh, down in the future as, as things start to yeah. uh, progress with the ministry itself. Well, as that happens, I'd love to have the both of you back on as guests again and kind of share, you know, what you guys have done, but then also what you're building for mm-hmm you know, for people that are in a relationship or even married that may be going through some struggles. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, from a guy's perspective is how to, um, you know, get a, get a woman to set down her defenses, you know, by the action mm-hmm. of love and things like that, how to properly respond. And then of course, on your side is how to let him do it, you know, yeah. because that's, that's a key is you have to let him do that, you know, because if not, it doesn't matter how loving he is. He can say all the right words, do all the right things, do all the, you know, act all the right way, but you have to be, a, you have to be the willing vessel to allow it. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. so Christina, thank you so much. Listeners, I, I just want to thank you so much for uh, being a part of this and, and listening. Please don't forget to rate, uh, subscribe and review our podcast. Um, you can also reach out to us on um, Instagram at Meet Joseph James. Send us any questions that you may have about our podcast or even things that you may want to, people you may want to see on here or issues that you may be having. Um, Christina, if people wanted to reach out to you just for maybe they're going through the same thing and they just feel comfortable kind of reaching out to you, what would be the best way for them to do so? Um, certainly, send, you can send me an email uh, and uh my email address, uh, i give you one that I check pretty regularly, is cpatterson3515 at gmail.com. cpatterson3515 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, and feel free to email me. I'm happy to pray with anyone. Um, give any any sort of, I don't know if it, 
uh, advice if I have advice, you know, any, you know, I'm just there. I'm there if anyone uh, yeah. would like to feel free to, to send me an email. Awesome. And her email again, everyone is C that's her initial of her first name, Christina Patterson, P A T T E R S O N three, five, one, five at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to reach out to her, reach out to us on Instagram at meet Joseph James. And we cannot wait to have you and your husband on for a future episode as things continue to evolve. Uh, um, but mm -hmm. we also can't wait to have our listeners tune in, um, on Monday for this live show and then also for future episodes. So Christina, thank you so much. I'm just honored and privileged to have you on. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.